The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here today with an old friend and, oddly enough, returning only for a second time on my show. And the first time, man, that must have been almost 10 years ago, Fred. It was almost 10 years ago. I think actually, Mark, I think I was uh, on your show twice before. Oh, okay, cool. (laughs) Well, um, my mistake. Sorry. No problem. Fred Diamond of the Institute for Excellence in Sales. Uh, and a variety of other positions uh, in his past uh, that we'll get into. Fred, thanks for coming in, man. Mark, it's great to be here. I'm a big fan, as you know, and congratulations on your recent recognition from the Government Marketing University. So good for you. Um, well, yeah, that was that was actually a, a year ago now, but uh, but the awards front and center on my desk, you know, right? Uh, I don't I don't carry it around with me. Okay, I carry my awards around. I carry my yearbook. Uh, your book's actually in the car. If uh, you want to see it later on, mine. No, I'm just, I'm just. Kidding. I was gonna say, which one? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure people travel around with my library in their car. I've so. read your book many, many times. As you may recall, I, r- I wrote the foreword to the uh, PDF version, and yep. And you were the one who, and this, this is going to be integral to to our conversation today. When I came out with government marketing best practices in 2005. Fred was one of the first people to reach out to me and said, where's the chapter on coordinating sales and marketing? Absolutely. Yeah, and also strategy as well. I mean, the book was great. You covered all the bases. It was the first time someone had really sat down and and wrote something of value for government marketers or people who marketed products and services to the market. Um, But what was missing was the cohesive piece. Right. It's like, why are you doing all these things, which we'll talk about later on. It was – actually recorded and transcribed from my seminar, which is a tactical seminar. So, uh, you know, I was missing the uh, the Michael Porter overall strategy umbrella, and, and I had the lessons firsthand from Anne-Marie and Lisa on coordinating sales and marketing from Harry Heisler, same thing, back when uh, I worked with him at Micron. <laughs> but I didn't put it in the book, and it was a huge mistake. But you're right. It's weird because when Government Marketing Best Practices came out, there hadn't been a book out on the government market that I could find in like a decade. And I'm going, this is the biggest market in the world. Fortune one. Um, and, and you know, self-published book, sold 9,000 copies. Yeah. So 1,000 shy of being technically a business bestseller. Yeah, but it was, it was valuable. Again, you were the first guy that I knew. Uh, I had started, you know, running Compact's marketing organization to the public sector and then to federal specifically. And uh, it was a great resource not just for the people on my team, but also to help the other marketers in the organization understand the federal marketplace. Yeah. So go back and walk people through your early career because technically you were never a salesperson early on. No, actually my, my first job out of college, I went to Emory University, but my first job out of college was with McGraw-Hill Publishing and I was a, an analyst. At one time, Mark, believe it or not, I was an expert on data security and I wrote a piece on the data encryption standard, which had become a uh, very, very frequently referenced document. Um, had I stayed in the data security space, you know, who knows what would have happened. But uh, 
I then went to Apple. You'd be a god by now. I might be. <laughs> I might be. Uh, then I went to Apple Computer where we became aware of you. And I was in support roles, basically service, training, and customer support. But what I began to see was we had these amazing marketing people, but mostly these amazing salespeople. And Apple, of course, is famous for its marketing mm-hmm. and uh, the legendary marketing that Apple has done and, of course, the products. But we had these really, really uh, superior salespeople who came from places like Xerox and Oracle and IBM. And I was, I was in awe of how skilled and talented these people were, uh, understanding the customer, understanding the market, but also how they dealt with customers and how they interface with customers. And I, I remember that very clearly. Uh, I, then, I then moved into corporate roles with, with Apple in California. But I always uh, just remembered seeing how professional these salespeople were, and I, I admired their, their grit, their tenacity, and mainly their ability to support customers. Cool. You might be interested to know I interviewed Regis McKenna. Oh, wow. Uh, last year. Man, talk about an icon. Yeah. And just a still sharp, brilliant mind. Absolutely. For people who don't know, he, he was the, uh, the PR guru of Silicon Valley in the 80s and 90s, and a lot of people um, refer to him and his work. And I've actually worked with some people over the years. When I went to California with Apple, I moved into marketing roles. And then I moved to Compact Computer in marketing roles. And I worked for a large software company in the late 90s called uh, CompuWare, which did a lot of mainframe and client-server software. So had the opportunity to, to travel around the world launching products. But, yeah, people like Regis McKenna and Bill Campbell, legendary people of Silicon Valley, I greatly admired and, and tried to learn as much from them as possible. Yeah, Regis uh, did an article for HBR that remains my favorite piece, Marketing is Everything. Well, there's a great piece uh, that I refer to from the HBR, which is Ending the War Between Sales and Marketing, which, of course, the great Neil Rackham wrote and, and uh, Phil Cotter as well, uh, Cutler, I think. Cutler out of Northwestern. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, as a matter of fact, I was going through some old things this weekend, uh, and I happened to see the original copy of that. So. You know, a lot of when I was in marketing up until, um, you know, like 2000 or so with those companies, it was always about making things easier for our salespeople to sell. And I always viewed marketing as removing blocks to the sales process. Right. Yeah. And it might be things like the brand. Mm -hmm. People don't know us. It might be things like our website doesn't explain or our messaging isn't impactful. But I always said to myself, how can I make the sales process easier? How can I continue to remove obstacles? to make it easy for us to sell. Right. And, you know, some companies do that extraordinarily well and others keep struggling. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard. But, you know, it's, it's one thing I learned also was um, it really wasn't about the marketing if it wasn't going to help us sell. Every company that I worked for, Apple, Compaq, CompuWare, uh, Microsoft was a client for a long time. It wasn't about how great can we market. It's about how impactful can our marketing be to help us sell. Right. You know, everyone was looking at the numbers. We wouldn't be the number one brand if that's going to help us. Yeah. When I wrote the book, you got in touch with me immediately on that. And about the same time I was working with CDW. So the president of CDW, who was based in Chicago, CDWG, mm-hmm. brought me in to uh, work with Anne-Marie and Lisa DeZuka, uh, uh, Max um, Peterson on the sales side. Um, I, I'd work with Heisler at MPC. And sales and marketing worked together, but the team was so damn small anyway. CDW, a giant team. There was never a sales meeting that Max held where Lisa DeLuca or Anne-Marie or somebody else from senior and the marketing staff 
wasn't there to take notes and say, we have this to help you. And ultimately, Anne-Marie and Max agreed that marketing's bonuses and pay would be structured on the ROI support for sales. And they set up a system that actually worked. And that was pretty damn cool. Well, you know, I learned that first lesson when I was at Apple. I was in support, like I mentioned. And uh, my boss at the time was a guy named Gary Hauser. And uh, Gary said, we're only going to be valuable. And we managed service support and training of Apple in the public sector, federal specifically. And he said, we're only going to be valuable if sales sees us as valuable. So he told me, he said, I want you in every sales meeting. Just go. Find out when they are and show up. So Bring your own chair. Bring your own chair. <laughs> and I would start showing up. I remember the first time I showed up, it was the Apple Civilian Team sales meeting in, in Reston, Virginia, back in 1988. And uh, I just walked in, and they were kind of looking at me, and I sat kind of in the back. Then, you know, the next meeting, I kind of moved up to the table. And then I wasn't, I was still kind of in awe, you know, of the sales process. It was still kind of mystical to me. But, you know, then people started asking me questions like, Fred, what do you know about this account? Or what are we doing in service to support this particular account? And I, I knew the answers and then started becoming a trusted partner with the sales organization. And whenever a young marketer asks me, how can I be more valuable to my company? That's usually the first place I go, go to the sales meetings. Every company has sales meetings, pipeline review, account review, show up, just go, sit in the back, take, bring your, your iPad, bring your notebook, whatever it is. Don't say anything until you're asked, but go to those meetings, and that's when you'll truly understand what your company's mission is. There you go. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm here with Fred Diamond. You can find Fred on LinkedIn or at – give me the uh, website because I'll screw it up. Yeah, well, there's two. There's I4, the letter I, the number 4, ESBD.org or .com, I4ASBD.org.com, or we'll talk about the podcast in a little bit, but SalesGameChangersPodcast.com. Which is cool. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm here today with Fred Diamond, who is the founder of the Institute for uh, Excellence in Sales. Uh, they hold monthly meetings uh, in Northern Virginia. Uh, you can find out about those at the website. The meetings are cool because uh, Fred brings in, and, and this is something I've always admired about Fred. He's one of the few people in the market that probably reads more than me. So he brings in these great sales leaders uh, from all disciplines to these monthly meetings. Where do you hold these? We typically hold them in, in Tyson's Corner, which is the business center of, of D.C. for most of your guests. And, uh, you know, what we do, we've been doing this for seven years now. Every Typically, it's the first Friday of the month. We get about 150 sales leaders who come to our programs, companies like Salesforce, Red Hat, Oracle, Hilton, for that matter, Marriott. Uh, and we basically bring – Great authors, like I mentioned, Neil Rackham before, Jeb Blunt, Anthony Iorino, Mark Hunter, uh, Tom Snyder, anyone who's written anything of purport, John Asher, who wrote The Best Seller, uh, Close Deals Faster, Alan Stein Jr., who wrote Raise Your Game. And we do a three-hour intensive workshop. The first hour is networking and breakfast. And then the second two hours, the speaker goes through essentially a an intense workshop. We do some audience interaction. We do some breakouts, if appropriate. And uh, it's a great crowd. We get about 150 people early on a Friday, typically the first Friday of the month, 
And uh, we've been doing them for seven years, and we're putting the final touches on our 2020 calendar right now. I'm not sure when the show is going to go live, but we'll be uh, we'll be deep into our 2020 calendar, and it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and and I, I have not been to those, but I've been to some of your other events. Great, thanks. Yeah, so, we have an award event as well every year. Yep. Uh, the 2020 award event will be on June 12th, and uh, we recognize companies for operational excellence in sales or business development. Uh, we also have a couple of individual awards, Lifetime Achievement Award, Women in Sales Leader Award. Uh, I'd like to mention we're going to be starting a new award. I guess this is the announcement of it. Every year we give out what we call a Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, in 2012, Jay Nussbaum, who you probably knew. Uh, yeah, back in Oracle days. Back ran Oracle, ran Xerox. He also founded a company called Agilex. Uh, he passed away uh, the summer of 2019. So we're going to start an award called the Jay Nussbaum Rising Star Award. So it's going to be for a young sales professional. And people can find more information on the i4ESPD.org website. Uh, one of the things we do, Mark, that I'm most proud of is we have a women in sales program. And we do a program called the Women in Sales Leadership Forum. It's a six-session, three-month cohort. has about 15 to 20 young women, uh, actually women of, of all ages, I guess, uh, who are in sales, either first or second sales leadership job. And we started this back in the, the spring of 2019. We just completed our second forum, and uh, we've had women from companies like IBM, uh, Oracle, uh, Red Hat, Cvent. It's just been a, a wonderful program, and we're going to be continuing that in 2020 as well. Cool. I should ask if you use Cvent for registration, but we won't go there. We do. We actually do use Cvent. Cvent's a platinum sponsor. Yeah, the mission of the IES is to help sales leaders uh, acquire, retain, motivate, and elevate top-tier talent, which is uh, one of their challenges. Well, let's go back to the beginning of this because one of the early times you were on the show, you had just started. And then back then it was IES. And BD. BD. Yeah. Go through the uh, the genesis of that because at the time I was, I, you know, I, I was probably envious that you would come up with this idea because it was so cool. Thanks. Well, I, I became a consultant for a number of years. I was very fortunate to have Microsoft as as a large client over the years and, and Oracle as well. Uh, but most of my clients were hiring me because they had sales or revenue generation problems. So like any good marketer, I wanted to be where my customers were. So I needed to be in the room with more sales VPs who might be having sales challenges. So uh, we came up with the idea of the Institute for Excellence in Sales. First thing we did was our award event. And then the second thing we did is every month we started bringing the aforementioned speakers. Let's see, Neil Rackham, I think, was our third speaker. I keep referring to Neil. He wrote Spin Selling, which is probably the most influential sales book of all time. It's basically about consultative selling. Right, yeah. A lot of people predicate their consulting practices on that book. Absolutely, asking the, the <clears throat> right questions. And it keeps coming up time and time again as premise questions, if you will. So we started doing these programs and started doing socials, and then people started asking us for, for speakers. Hey, could you find a keynote speaker? Or could you recommend someone to come in to do some training? Here's our challenge. And the next thing we knew, the Institute was, first of all, for me, it was more fun because there was like a, a great energy at all of our programs. And the people that we were attracting, they really wanted to get better at sales, and they really wanted to contribute more, and they really just wanted to learn. So uh, about 2017, decided to pursue it full time, and, and that's mainly what we do now, again, we have the Women in Sales program. 
we just kicked off uh, what's called the IES Premier Sales Employer. So it's kind of like uh, great places to work, but just for companies with sales organizations. Right. And we just launched that in December of uh, 2019, and that's been a, a great success. Again, big challenge that uh, the sales leaders we talk to say, acquiring, retaining, motivating, and then elevating their top-tier talent. It's, it's such a struggle to find great people at the right place at the right time. Yeah, it, it is, and, and we're going to talk about that when I do your podcast. Yeah, I'm excited. But it wasn't until 17 that you did this full-time? Yeah. Because you were kicking some serious butt in those early years, too. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's like any business, though, or any organization that you create, you learn. You know, you, you figure out what works. We've done some programs that I thought were going to be global in impact that fizzled out, you know, after a handful or two. We grew, and it was a lot of fun, but... We started the podcast, which we're going to talk about, the Sales Game Changers podcast back in 2017, which really, um, really changed the game for us. And I'll talk about why we did that and, and the impact that it's had. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we, can, we can actually start talking about that now. But uh, I, I want to make sure we cover other activities that, uh, that IES does. So uh, I often get questions, uh, you know, where can I send – my salespeople for good training. I've only had one real good recommendation. That's the uh, the program that Steve Charles started over at Emix, and uh, I also recommend people read the book that he did with Dave Pereira, which is excellent. Jimmy Baker did the book too, but Jimmy Baker never really got into the training side. But you know, I'm sure there are lots of other venues, but none that I have had uh, presented to me as exemplary. Yeah, that's cool. By the way, uh, every year the Institute for Excellence in Sales gives what we call our Lifetime Achievement Award. And uh, you just mentioned Steve Charles. He was our recipient in 2016, along with uh, Art Richer and Jeff Copeland, the founders of the Emix Group. Steve's a uh, genius, just a verifiable genius. Yes, and a nice guy. He's a great guy, too. A very, very um, a generous uh, man as well. Well, all, all three of them are, are brilliant, but the combination of those three was extraordinary. Jeff... Actually, it was his idea, but he was, you know, in the his and Steve's, I should say. But he was he always stayed in the background, did like all of the back office stuff. He didn't like the limelight. Art's very personable, extremely bright, very out there, and Steve can mix in pretty much any crowd in D.C. I always thought he had a law degree because he's just so friggin' deep on that stuff, and he doesn't. Yeah, he's definitely a genius. We actually had him. Speak at the Institute, God, probably back in like 2014. Get him back. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> want to get him back. But, um, yeah, what happened was uh, it was 2014, and it was December. And in one week, I got three calls from people who were looking for our recommendations on speakers or trainers. And I, I say it happened in one day, but it probably happened over, over a week or two. And three entities, two of them who I knew, one that I didn't know, reached out and said, hey, we have this need. We need a speaker to come in and talk about this particular challenge. Can you recommend someone? And this is because every month we have been bringing these great speakers. So we found, because we know all the great speakers, we've done a lot of work on the training companies out there. We've been fortunate to have a bunch of them as sponsors, Sales Performance International, Asher Strategies. We've had speakers from almost all the major sales training companies. So we did some analysis and figured out what they were good at, what they weren't necessarily as good at. You know, everyone sometimes says they're good at everything. But, right. You know, as you know, 
Yeah. Uh, really, you're only good at one or two things, maybe three at the most. But even if you're really good at sales, sales in the government market is different. Absolutely. So we just became expert in who those resources are, and people started um, you know, taking our recommendations. In some cases, we managed projects. In some cases, it was purely a referral, and it became a, a very worthwhile thing for us to do and you know, saving people time. I'll give you an example. We had this uh, VP of sales who came to me and said uh, her challenge right now is that their company had a government contract for 30-some-odd years, and they just uh, the government brought on a competitor. They brought on a second company to supply. And she said she needed to train her people to be more proactive versus reactive. And imagine if you have this very uh, – If you have a lucrative vehicle and the phone rings. All you got to do is how quickly can you answer the phone. Uh, but now they had to do some outbound, and they had to be more proactive – in, in selling. So we put together a program. We brought some resources and it lasted for about a year and it was great. And then I went to her afterwards or through the process and I said, you know, you've been a VP of sales for 10 years, um, at least 10 years that I knew of. Uh, why did you come to us? How come you didn't know who the right resources were? And she said, I never had to deal with this challenge before. She said, I've had to deal with account planning, compensation, you know, uh, account strategy, those types of things. I've never had to deal with shifting from reactive to proactive. I didn't know who to call. I knew you would save me six months of dog and pony shows and the whole thing. And uh, that said to us, okay, there's a need in the marketplace and uh, it's been a lot of fun. So we got companies all over the world who come to us looking for training referrals, speakers, other types of sales consulting expertise as well. And we've spent a lot of time really understanding who the best resources are. Cool. Well, I need to talk to you about that for my LinkedIn training. So Absolutely, we'll, sure. We'll, we'll get there. Good. Um, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Again, I'm here with Fred Diamond. Uh, look him up on LinkedIn. Fred has an extraordinary background, but when it comes to the, the sales process, particularly uh, making sure that marketing is properly coordinating with sales, there's nobody better. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm here today with uh, with an old friend, Fred Diamond, who who is the founder and what are you, executive director or president? I say of president. I technically I say co-founder as well. President, co-founder yeah. of the Institute for Excellence in Sales. There you go. Um, if if you have a sales team and you haven't for some reason been to any of Fred's events, knock off a couple of Friday mornings in the near term, first Friday? Typically the first Friday, except for maybe July when there's, you know, July. Yeah, right. Uh, So uh, block out some of those times and and go to some of these things. I'll guarantee you're going to come away rejuvenated, full of fresh ideas, stuff that you can probably do that day, that week, that month uh, and, and get traction from. Yeah, matter of fact, we tell people we do this thing called the three things. We have people write down three things they're going to do today before noon or that day before noon. You know, we've been very fortunate, Mark. We've had great companies attend IES programs, Salesforce, Tableau, Oracle, IBM. They're all uh, Maximus Federal is uh, is one of our gold sponsors. So we've been very lucky to have Intel, actually, Intel, actually. Uh, Rick Herman over at Intel, they're also the sponsor of our women in sales program. Regis McKenna did their original marketing. Uh, probably, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we've been very fortunate. Paul Smith at Red Hat's been a great supporter, MX DLT. Uh, 
Uh, so it's been it's been great. Uh, and we tell people, you know, you need to implement what you're learning. It's not just theoretical. It's not a speaker. You know, we do pretty intensive workshops on the first Friday of each month. Yeah. When I was prepping for doing your podcast, uh, which will be coming up soon, I listened to several interviews, but the the most uh, recent one I listened to was the uh, the Paul uh, Red Hat interview. And I'll tell you what, man, if uh, you know your interviews with those people are great. Thank you so much. I'll, I'll talk about the sell the the podcast, and you know it's been a, a transforming uh, marketing activity, not just for the institute, but for me personally too, and and for a lot of people we've had on the show. So I'll tell you why I started doing this podcast. Um, I've been a podcast listener for a long time. I actually was a DJ at one part of my career. I remember. Yeah, weddings, bar mitzvahs, the whole thing. You know, people ask me if, if Fred Diamond was my real name, and I would say, no, it's Tony Diamond. But uh, nonetheless, I was comfortable in front of the mic. But here was the reason why I started doing the podcast. Even though I run the Institute for Excellence in Sales, uh, most of my career, as we talked about in the first couple of segments, was in marketing. So I can do marketing things, but – I couldn't do a lot of – or I shouldn't – I wasn't doing a lot of the things that we teach at the IES, getting on the phone, prospecting, et cetera. So I had to figure out a way to be in the room with sales VPs that are my customers. Sales VPs become members of the institute. So I was really deep into podcasting, and we came up with the idea where it wasn't going to be about me, but I would interview VPs of sales. Yeah. So 95% of my interviews are with bag-carrying, quota-carrying VPs of sales at – all the great companies, IBM, Oracle, uh, Red Hat, Microsoft. Uh, we've interviewed a lot of the sales leaders. But not just tech companies. You've done a lot of what a lot of people would consider mundane things, JK Moving, who, by the way, I am a fan of. Oh, they're great. Chuck Hume <clears throat> and the company. We interviewed Vince Burano and Brian McGinnis. We actually got a call from Quicken Loans in Detroit who said, you know, uh, some of the people here love your show. So I went to Detroit and I interviewed people from Thomson Reuters and GM and – Rock Connections, which is the vision of, of Quicken Loans. I've gone to Philly, and I've interviewed people from Entercom and, and Veeam. Uh, we interviewed the VP of sales, the VP of sales for Hilton. His name is Frank Passanante. He is the top guy at Hilton. Uh, it was a fabulous interview. We, got, we typically get thousands of downloads. We got high thousands with his show and, and a ton of LinkedIn. I got requests from Hilton people all around the world, Milan and Venice and, and other places down in South America as well. But the you goal – Speak Spanish or Portuguese. You can go down <laughs> and do some of those. Maybe. Yeah. You know, I, I do get probably – at this point, so the show is called the Sales Game Changers Podcast. And just to give people a little bit of background, I took a course on how to do a podcast. Uh, the guy's name is John Lee Dumas. He has a show called EO Fire at the time. And uh, he was one of the leading podcasters uh, on the planet. Took his course, got into his community – found out how to do it. I do all my interviews, Mark, face-to-face because what it would do is it would get me into the office, uh, into the conference room for the VP of sales that I'm uh, looking to interview. There's also a chemistry when you're face-to-face that doesn't happen over the phone. Absolutely. And, you know, again, but my mission was was to meet these people, to get them involved with the Institute. But here's the cool thing. I interview VPs of sales or chief revenue officers, and I ask the same 15 questions. Right. And, of course, you know, we probe a little bit, you know. Uh, but I began to notice that um, I was feeling really energized and, and happy after I did these interviews because I'm interviewing people who are successful. You know, I'm interviewing people with 10, 15, 20, 30 years of success. And they just didn't wake up and say, okay, I'm done working, you know, at a gas station. And now 
I'm going to be the VP of sales for a major tech company. They've had a 15, 20, 30 year run. And these people are thoughtful. You mentioned Paul Smith. Paul Smith is the, is the GM at public sector for Red Hat. He also is a past lifetime recipient from the IES lifetime award recipient. He's the guy who first taught me about understanding your customers. Why? And I know you're a fan of Simon Sinek, Sinek as well. Everyone refers to know your why. Mark was the first guy who brought it up. I said, you know, how do you stay competitive? There's, you know, so many people are trying to reach your customer. He said, we spend a lot of time trying to understand their why, and that gives us an advantage. It was a wonderful interview. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Some of my people come with, I give them the questions ahead of time. They come with 10 pages of notes. Some people show up, you know, without notes. But all of the interviews are great. Uh, I interviewed another guy, Dominic Strada with Nestle. He runs the you know, Purina business at, at Nestle. Didn't have any notes. We did the interview down in Roslyn looking over over D.C. It was like a, and it was like an MBA class. Um, just a fascinating conversation about consumer trends and how Nestle is, is moving online. And all these interviews have been fascinating. Mark, we've done over 200 interviews going into places. And you're again. doing like two a week, right? I do as many as I can. You know, again, it's my top <clears> of funnel. And also, you know, talking to the top practitioners – it helped me. And one of the cool things is we transcribe every episode. So we post a show on Tuesday and Thursday. So we do a lot of LinkedIn. We do, of course, Twitter and Apple Podcasts. But we get people to go to the show. I'll be honest with you, five out of six people will read the transcript. Uh, I'd rather they listen to the show, but yeah. it's cool as long as they're getting the uh, the content and seeing and learning from some very, very talented people. People should download these things and listen in their cars mm-hmm. because – even that passive listening, you're going to pick up stuff. And what are you doing in the car otherwise? You know, in D.C., you're waiting for the guy in front of you to move who's waiting for the guy in front of him to move. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, the people listening to my shows, they're either driving, uh, they're on the treadmill, they're walking the dog. Uh, I have one guy who, who emailed me, he says that he mows his lawn and he listens to the show. I hope it's uh, an electric mower. It might be. I'm sure it is. Uh, and then somebody once reached out to me and said, you know, I was just going to listen to one show. Three hours later, I listened to six. That's one of the cool things about podcasts. You can download them, obviously. You can save them up, and then Sunday morning or whenever it is, uh, you know, you just consume. That's how people listen to podcasts. The other great thing about podcasts for the marketers is there's so much you can do with it. Because again, you know, not just of course interviewing your customers, but you can transcribe, you could excerpt, you could create new video. Uh, we just do audio, but you can create video-type things uh, and use the audio content. It's it's such a beautiful mechanism. Yeah, I'm 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 kind of surprised that maybe you'll be doing this in future things, but you know it doesn't take much. Set up a tripod, put your phone on top, and actually do the video while while you're chatting with somebody. Kurt Schneid of uh, Brand Ready filmed his interview with me a few months back and and ran it live on YouTube. While we are on air, which is funny because, as you know, between takes, we, we map out the next segment, which we're going to do right now. No, that's cool. Um, you're listening Dam Tower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'll be back to wrap up with Fred Diamond right after this. Welcome back to Dam Tower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm here to wrap up with my friend Fred Diamond of the Institute for Excellence in Sales. Again, uh, give give the website one more time, please. Yeah, it's the letter I, the number four, E S 
bd.org or .com or salesgamechangerspodcast.com. Yeah, so the Institute is the first one, the the podcast is the second one. Um, And again, the uh, first Friday meetings for those in sales, even those in marketing, you know, if you're in marketing, you really have to understand the pain point for salespeople. So it would behoove you to to attend uh, some of these these events that that Fred and IES puts on. So let's let's go to uh, uh, passion for both of us, which is what we're doing right now. Basically, this is a podcast. I've been on uh, on uh, you know download for since day one. Uh, you know, back in in the day, probably the first time you were on, we were on ten fifty a.m. So if you didn't have a steel plate in your head, you probably couldn't pick up the show. Yeah, um, you pro- you've provided Mark, you've provided great content for for government marketers for what do you say, close to thirty years now, twenty seven, twenty eight years, thirty five. Wow, good for you. Um, well, thirty five since I've been in business. I started producing content actually nineteen ninety one. Yeah, I actually first so. met you. Uh, you had done a public seminar. Yeah, uh, it was over at the I think it was McLean Hilton, and this was probably in the '80s when I was with Apple. And uh, uh, you've been you know cranking out stuff and valuable stuff for a lot of people for a long time, man. Yeah, back then it was easier to get people to attend a marketing event because there were so few marketing events or sales events. Because uh, now you know, good luck. Um, so so here we are, which is why we do the podcasts. Um, so you've, you've done 200 now. We've done over 200 <clears throat> interviews and I interview VPs of sales. And, you know, because since we're based here in the DC, Northern Virginia area, probably 25 to 30% have been with, uh, VPs of sales in the GovCon space. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we've hit all the great ones. We've hit, uh, Javier Vasquez over at Microsoft, Christine Barger, who's now at Salesforce, but she was at Microsoft at the time. Dave Ray, who runs Salesforce Public Sector, uh, also Joe Markward, who, who works for Joe over at Salesforce, uh, Tamara Greenspan from Oracle. Uh, we've interviewed a lot of smaller companies, uh, Eric Trexler over at Forcepoint, uh, uh, just uh, some James Yeager, who's at CrowdStrike. Uh, we've hit so many amazing ones, and uh, I get, Mark, probably 10 requests per week from either people who want to be on the show or from marketers who say, yeah, <laughs> just she, 10. I'm constantly out there doing it. I'm not interviewing everybody. There's a lot of people who want to be on the show that aren't really focused on my marketplace. And my customer, the people who are listening, are VPs of sales, people who've been in sales who just want to stay fresh. But probably a good third to, uh, to two-thirds of my audience are people who want to be sales leaders, uh, people in their 20s, 30s, early 40s, who are just you know really hungry for lessons, for content, for great advice on how to be successful. So when I do my show, I'm thinking about those audiences and I'm thinking about uh, how to make them look as good as possible. You know, the people who come on the show, I promise them three things. One is since their challenge is hiring, retaining, motivating, and elevating top-tier talent, we'll present them as somebody you want to work for, somebody you want to partner with, and possibly a company, you know, give you an opportunity to present the brand of your company uh, that people may not think. Javier Vasquez from Microsoft. You know, everyone thinks of Microsoft as Office and Windows, you know, but uh, a lot of other stuff there, tons man. Tons of other stuff. And, you know, it was just a great story. A little cloud thing. The whole cloud thing. Cloud and security, man. They keep coming up time and time again. Dave Levy with Amazon Web Services. 
Uh, we've interviewed a bunch of people who run data centers on the public sector side as well. And it's a great opportunity, uh, if you prepare, which they usually do, to just speak about what your company's doing, how you are a leader, and, and how you've become a leader. Yeah. So the, the uh, you know, you're, you're, you're 10 people a week asking. You know, the vetting – I have a lot of people pinging me, uh, particularly PR agencies on behalf of clients, you know. Uh, you know, how about this idea for your show? Have you ever listened to my show? Mm. You know, I'm not a techie. I don't talk about technologies in a techie kind of way. That's John Gilroy's show. I, I, I want to talk about the vehicles. I want to talk about marketing. I want to talk about sales. I want to talk about coordinating all these things, and I want to bring in people who – facilitate that process. Well, I mentioned I took a course and uh, from John Lee Dumas, and, and there's two things that I really took. Well, I took a lot of way, but two key things are the most important thing in your podcast is your listener. You know, John calls it your avatar. So I'm constantly thinking, how can I do a show, and is this going to provide value for young sales professionals who want to take their career to the next level or for sales leaders who just want to continue to be at the top of the game. These guys and ladies, they're already at the top of the game, but uh, how do they continue to stay fresh? How do they find an idea or two? Uh, it's also not about me. You know, I do, I tell my guests, you know, I do 5% of the talking. Um, you're going to have the opportunity to do 95% of the talking. They tell great stories. One of the questions we ask is, tell us about your mentor who's impacted your sales career. And Mark, we've had tears. You know, I've had people get choked up at that question when they talk about someone who's had an impact on them, sometimes they're no longer uh, around. Um, some cases they're retired. Uh, some cases people have spoken about their father, Mark Weber, who used to run NetApps uh, USA in public sector business. He now runs the Catholic University of America's sales uh, program in addition to a bunch of consulting. Talked about how his father was his, his big mentor uh, in his sales career. And, you know, we get great stories, great tips. Uh, it's just a pleasure doing the interviews. I, I leave each interview just just pumped. Yeah, you know it's it's funny because when I was listening to uh, to Paul Smith in the Red Hat interview, I, I I probably took two pages of notes. Yeah, well we we transcribed it for you, so we took the yeah notes I, I, I know, the but I was I was do, jotting yeah. down things because for me the writing process reinforces more than listening than reading. That is great, and let me just give you. We've gotten so much has come out of the, the podcast. I'm just going to give you the three main themes, if you don't mind, for your listeners. No, go. So go there's, there's so much that has come out. But uh, I've come to realize that there are three themes. And people say to me, well, you're asking the same questions of the same type of people. But everyone has different stories. And, you know, every, every interview at a minimum has been great. But here's the three common themes that have come out when I asked the sales game changers for their tips on how you can take your sales career to the next level. Number one, listen, work on listening skills. And I follow up that question with, great, tell us a thing that you do to be a better listener. And usually it's something like ask better questions, uh, which leads to the second thing. The second thing is prepare. All of these people that I've interviewed, they are rigorous preparers. They don't prepare for a call in the parking lot a minute before they're about to walk in. <laughs> They'll do uh, intense preparation. They train their people to do the same. Um, and then the last thing, the third thing is is practice. You know, uh, sales isn't about charisma. It really is about preparation and providing value for your customers. I mentioned Frank Passanante at Hilton. They have what they call scrimmage rooms. They're 
not conference rooms, they're rooms where they literally go through a sales call with both participants and they practice it and they practice it and they practice it before they go live. So be a better listener and there's so many ways we talk about that on the podcast. Number two, prepare, really understand your customer. Your customer doesn't need to see you anymore. You know, as you and I know, one of the big themes that has changed over time is the internet has made customers believe that they know more. They can get information on the internet from social media, just do simple research. Salespeople used to be walking brochures, but now they have to provide so much more value ahead of where the customer is. And thirdly, practice. You know, keep getting good. Work on your presentation skills. Work on your presence. Work on your writing. I still tell people to go to Toastmasters. That's a great suggestion. Absolutely. Practice yourself. Look at the mirror. I mean, there's so many great ideas have come up uh, over the last two years that we've been doing the podcast to help these people get better. And it's interesting, not just as sales professionals, but also as people, professionals. And I remember one of the greatest uh, tributes I ever got about the Institute one of our members came to me one day and said, you know, you're doing a great thing for sales leaders and sales professionals, but I've become a better father because I've learned how to better listen to my, to my children. And that was one of the reasons why we continue. Yeah, that, that's a beautiful lesson right there because I, I can name times when I was a good lesson, listener as a dad and a crappy listener as a dad. And boy, you don't, you don't get to buy that time back. You don't. And, uh, you know, we've heard things like the 66% solution. You know, mm-hmm. you have two ears and one mouth. Use them in that order. And uh, almost every show listening comes up. And, you know, it seems like it's simple. Okay, well, great. Yeah, I'll be a better listener. Well, you know, people sometimes seem like they're listening for the opportunity to talk. You know, but mostly you got to shift, man. If you want to be successful in sales now or marketing, it's all about the customer. And you got to provide them more value like you've never done before. There you go. Um, those are your final thoughts? Yeah, those are my final thoughts. This has been a lot of fun, Mark. Uh, it's been a blast. Again, congratulations to you. you you've impacted uh, the careers of, of so many people in marketing uh, with your 35-year career. You, you helped so many companies uh, understand. Again, you know, we, we talked, I'm not sure if we talked on the show or before the show, but uh, one of the first places I met you before your public seminar was uh, we brought you to, when I was at Apple, we brought you to meet with our ad agency, it was at the time Amirati and Purist. Uh, they did <laughs> Apple's work. Um, no, it was Compact. Compact. It was Compact. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, they did Compact's work, but they also did Burger King. You know, and yeah. the people on the team were, were more excited about doing Burger King. Uh, I think almost every ad agency in the world has done Burger King one time or another. But uh, they were very excited to, um, you know, to, to learn. I brought you in to, as an expert. Uh, to help further educate them on the marketplace and how you speak to the government customer and the respect that marketers and, and sales professionals have. That's also another interesting little twist here. Last thing is, uh, like I said, 25% of the people I've interviewed on the podcast are sales leaders in the public sector space. And I always ask them, why have you devoted your career to sales in the public sector space? And it's always about the mission. You know, everyone I've interviewed, Lynn Chamberlain at Red Hat, uh, Paul Smith we mentioned before, they're always, uh, Gigi Shum at Threat Connect, they're always in awe of the mission that uh, our service professionals and people who work in the government, civilian defense, intel for the work that they do for our security, safety, and, and prosperity. Yeah, and the, and that, that's the driver for, for GovCon. If you don't have a passion for this market, you will not succeed. Yeah. Um, it comes with all the challenges and 
you know, all the stuff, uh, the things that make it a challenging space. But at the end of the day, uh, the customer is, is, is really trying to do great things for the citizens of the United States and the world for that matter. There you go. Uh, you've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio. My guest, Fred Diamond of the Institute for Excellence in Sales, I number four, ESBD.org or .com, or look them up on LinkedIn uh, and get in touch. This is not my day job. Uh, over the last several years, I focused on, uh, actually focused on social selling before it had a name. Um, and helping organizations integrate LinkedIn into that sales process. It is not a replacement tool. It is an adjunct tool, but it helps you grow and manage a network unlike pretty much anything I've ever seen over the years. Uh, so if that's of interest, drop me a line, mark at federaldirect.net. And thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.